Welcome to episode 857 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 857 of I Am Talk with Coach John Houston, Bevan James Oz. It's take two. It's take two. We had a technical problem. We've done about half an hour already, and we're going to be really good because we know what we're going to talk about for the next half an hour. Sick half show is a disaster. (laughs) Uh, I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by our awesome patrons. We've got Michael the Meat Muncher Egan, David Sweet Justice Sabal, and then we've got Scott the Sleek Sheep. Sheridan. And this week's show, we've got some news. We're back in the studios, which is good. Uh, we've got Hot Topic of the Week, John's History Lesson slash Quiz, and then John's Everesting Adventure. We're going to talk Sounds about like the show's all about me. Mate, mate, what's all that about? <laughs> Questions, answer, wing of the week at the end. Okay, let's get straight into it. The news, the big news is the World Championships for the Males is going to be happening in France on the 10th of September this year, which... And nice. Uh, nice, nice for Nice. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, uh, Jombo, your thoughts. Well, you, you were saying in the first rendition of the show that <laughs> some of the pros aren't that happy. Oh, no, we've, and we've seen that. So I think we've all discussed and debated. There's a, and there's been a lot of vocal people, the people that love Kona and just think everything should stay there. But I'm all for progress. Um, you know, Fredino's sort of voiced his... Opinions, he wants to go and do Kona. Braden Curry, who's sort Especially of... Especially like for a Fredino, who's oh, probably got one more good yeah, chance. absolutely. Yeah. And Braden Curry's, you know, he's still going awesome, but he's getting towards the end of his career. And when you add on two more years, you know, he might be on the slide down a little bit, especially with the young whippersnappers that are, that are coming through. Um, so, yeah, I think it's been debated a lot whether it should be in Kona. It's not going to be in Kona. I think the only sensible venues were going to be Nice and, and everyone knew it was almost certainly going to be Nice but they I think why they, why is it sensible why is it the only sensible well it's just it's got the history which people will go harp on and on and on about Kona yeah. Nice has got the history and interestingly enough we're going to have a history lesson about there Nice later on yep. uh, it's got the history it's a cool course they people all th- thought the rumours were that it was going to be in Nice but to Ironman's credit, they didn't confirm it until it was 100% locked in. Yep. Unlike what they did with Kona, where they said two-day format, we're all sweet, um, and then it wasn't. So I think they wanted to make sure it was 100% locked in, and it is. And let's focus on the positives because it's happening, and I think there's a lot of positives to it. So it's going to be rotating between Nice and Kona for for the foreseeable future. How long that lasts, we don't know. Um, but this year, the boys are racing. And it's a really cool course, um, challenging enough to, to break things up for both age groupers and pros. And we've got to remember, it's age group world championships as well, not um, not just for the pros. Yeah, but of course, yeah. Course is awesome. It's going to be less expensive um, with awesome post-race options if you're, if you're looking to make a big trip out oh, of yeah. it. Go to France. Go to France. You're right next to Italy as Europe, well. Jump on the train. Pop over to Monaco to sort of check that out. It's you know not too... Antibes. F- I went to Antibes. I liked yeah. Antibes. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. All, it's all awesome around there. So really cool post-race options. Whereas in Kona, yeah, great. You have a beach holiday. But this one, you can get a bit more cultured, Bevan. A bit more cultured. A bit more cultured. Uh, I think there'll be a stronger field from the age group side of things. The pros, you know, the pros will be what the pros are going to be. But I'd like to think that you're going to have a, a deeper field because the Euro athletes are just so strong and they're gonna, I think you'll get more of them. Top five will be the top five. In, uh, in our first take, I kind of, I reckon that in Kona each year, 
you maybe get five. Yeah, you're of talking the top, age group here. Yeah, of, yeah. of age groupers, you maybe get five of the top twenty age groupers racing on on any given sort of year. So it's never it's it's never really been, and it's never going to be a world champs. I think the only way to do that is if you sort of said every four years we have the proper world champs, yeah. and then everyone tries to save even their money. You're not going to get everyone. Are you? You're not going to get everyone. Yeah. It's not like the pros, but I think you will get a stronger field over there. And to be honest, a lot of people would stay away because they're like, "Oh, I probably won't win it," you know, because you're still mm. going to get the top five. Mm. You know, it's. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I think the, the Euro athletes will make it a, make it a stronger race um, one thing I really like is the heat won't be such a deciding factor again for the pros and for the age groupers so it'll still be warm in December in September but it won't be stifling heat like Kona and and that's for especially for like our southern hemisphere athletes you know, it's such a mission to go and do Kona it's so hard yep. unless you're going over there for a month you, you some people adapt better than others and I'm somebody that doesn't adapt particularly quickly yep. to the heat uh, so someone like me this is heaps better going over to a more moderate climate yeah. and you've got a chance if you want to go to world championships again mm. what would you want prefer uh, I, I definitely want to go to Nice um, but for me going prefer. to Kona I, I would, I'd probably prefer to go to Nice to be honest okay. but I need to go to Kona I don't, and have a good race in Kona I don't care if it's the world champs or not yeah it'd be nice if it was the world champs but I want to go over there and do that race justice um, but You've got to go to the World Champs because you're testing yourself against the level that you want to test yourself against, don't you? Like you, no, you, you go really. another year. Well, you can't, males can't race through the year. No, they can't. No. Yeah. But I would be equally happy going to having Ironman Hawaii as a st- regular old Ironman and just going and doing it as a race as opposed but, but to. But surely, about when the you world go champs. when it's when it's a World Championship, there's a different kind of pressure that you have to face, which is one. You know mm, what I mean? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I, th- I think. I think. Because you're someone who's competitive in your age group. Mm, but you know? I would, um, on the flip side of that, I think I'd enjoy the race a lot more when drafting wasn't such a big issue. So you could go out there yeah. and go, I'm going to go out there and do my absolute best effort and thank God I'm not going to have to deal with the drafting issues that you'd have to deal with every other year. So yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it'd be nice if it was world champs, but don't have to deal with the drafting quite so much. Um, it's more for me about completing a, a really good race than worrying if I finished first, fifth, fifteenth, whatever. So mm. but others will feel differently about that. I'm really fascinated to see how much different the race is. Like will we see a similar experience to what's happening in Kona where mm. you you know you get the swimmers who get away, sometimes there's a pack that gets ahead in the bike. But even recently in the last few years that hasn't happened massively, has it? Well the men's race this year it did. Yeah. I mean they, they Oh yeah but the good runners are in the pack. Mm. You know, mm. whereas you can good cyclists who get away, you know, we didn't see that so much. Um but you know, will we kind of just see a similar Kona experience or are we going to see a different type of race, which I'd love to see. Um, but right. at the moment, the problem is that the, we were saying this in the first kind of rendition of the show, was that our top athletes are complete athletes. I think one, yeah. You know, like the, the Blumenfelds, who won't be there this year, but, you know, when we look at like the Fredinos, the Blumenfelds, the Edens, they are complete athletes. And same on the female side, you know, um, you know yep. Danielle Reef, she's just going to crush it when she's in, in top form regardless. So, like, uh, I think the other thing f- that is the big unknown is the pro race will be the pro race, but is the experience for everyone else and the production and the you know the advertisement for our sport going to be as awesome as it is for for say Kona mm. and I think they can do a good job of that over in Nice and they did a good job of it in St George didn't sound like it was quite the same as as Kona um, but you need those iconic vistas I think to make the TV production for for the non athlete to go 
Shit, that looks pretty wicked. Two quick questions. First of all, what female wishes it would be in France? <laughs> um, the ones that are slightly weaker, wishes it was in France. This year, wishes the females were in France this year. I think Daniela Reef would probably stand a better chance there. Um, I'll tell you one that wishes it wouldn't be there and someone would be really disadvantaged would be someone like a Lucy Charles who's got really poor bike handling skills. Okay, yeah. um, and those, the smaller athletes who probably run better in Hawaii, uh, probably the ones that, yeah, they might climb okay in Nice, but um, yeah, the bigger athletes are the ones that are going to be enjoying it a bit more. Now, the second question is, what's going to be interesting is, what's the package, pilot package afterwards? What's the what's the ABC story? You know, like the, mm. you know, like, because it's always been the Kona, that's, that's mm. to be honest, that's the biggest marketing tool that I've ever had is that TV package. Uh, what does it look like when you merge them together? Well, you got to you got to sell France. You got to sell yeah, you know, yeah, like riding it, riding they? in these these iconic little villages and stuff like that. So I think they'll be able to do a pretty good job of that. In the day, you need a really good race, though. So that's what you need. Yeah. This year in Kona, the racing was so fantastic from the males and the females. Granted, the females' race was kind of all over pretty re- quickly, but, yeah. but there was always that thing: is Chelsea today going to blow up? And then it would have been really interesting. Um, but yeah, we just want to see some awesome racing and yeah. that'll help a lot. Okay, uh, so it'll be interesting to see. We'll be seeing that later on. The one thing we did talk about in the earlier show was that the Collins Cup is basically only about two and a half weeks, three weeks before it. Mm-hmm. Uh, John seems to be pretty happy with that. I'm a little bit more curious to see how hard people go in Collins Cup. Hmm. You know, the thing about Collins Cup is once you get to the lead, I suppose you can just pull off, can't you? The nature of the racing is... Well, there's all those bonus points for how far in front you are. Oh, but if you're, out, if you're out the back door... Yeah, if, you, if you're way out the back door. But yeah, it is, it is a valid It would be in the back question. of your mind, but wouldn't it? If three weeks from now, I'm going to Kona and it's all going to France now. Mm. It's obviously not going to be fun for the females, but for the males who are going to be going to France after the Collins Cup three weeks later, do you want to burn all your matches in that race? Mm. You know, like you, you don't. And I think, oh, I think you'd want to go and do a good race Solid, about there. Yeah. But it's just all the stuff in the week before which is going to impact your training. That that's probably what not what you want to do. You probably just want to boom fly in somewhere. Probably do minimal taper race and get the hell out of there. Um, there's probably a lot more stuff going on around the Collins Cup. Um, hey, got to make a buck. And they made some bucks this year with the bloody PTO. Oh, nice transition. So we had the rankings and let's pull up Jumbo. So in the men's side of things, Blumenfeld took it out and Anne Hag took out the females. I think uh, the championship ranking. Now, what's really interesting is when the prize money is good prize money, $2 million all up. The, the winner ends up taking away 100000 each in each AM6 category. And then we go right down to 20, where the lowest person who is at 20th will get $10,000. So that's $2 million spread out over each division. But it still goes down beyond that. You know, 21st through to 50th, uh, each get. $5,000. And then uh, 51 through to 100 to get $2,000. So, uh, this is great money, you know. 100k big sports, that's nothing. It's bloody chump change. But in triathlon, that's more money than you're going to win at just about any other race, yeah. uh, other than the, the new PTO races in Kona. Outside of that, this is huge money. And we know for some of those, yeah, for the top few, they're going to be making good money. But for those guys, the sort of 10 through 20, this makes a big difference to their to their income yeah. um, for essentially just doing the races that you're going to do anyway. Um, but yeah. 
it's uh, on the men's side, it's kind of the rankings I think are, are pretty reflective of where things stand. You know, Christian Blumenfeld, Gustav Eden, Magnus Ditlev, Max Newman and Sam Laidlow, they were all the, the sort of big hitters in, in Kona. Um, then on the female side though, you've got Anne Haug, Daniela Reef, Ashley Gentle, Taylor Nib and Lucy Charles Barclay. Um, you've got a few a couple of athletes there that didn't don't do Ironman at all and Ashley Gentle and Taylor Nib, but man, they were killing it in those in those PTO races, um, but on the the female side, you know, Anne Haug took that race out, and she didn't win any of the big races in terms of Kona um, or St George. 70.3 Worlds, didn't win the PTO races, so she's just been rewarded for fantastic consistency. Okay, Kenley is now going to be ticking off some of his bucket list races in the last moment of his career. Has he actually said it's his last year? Yeah, okay. definitely. Last so, year, professional racing. Okay, and so that means he is ticking it off the first race. It's going to be Challenge Wanaka in a few weeks from now, which is fantastic. And, you know, we were saying earlier, and in in again, in the first rendition, uh, that, you know, he got you know, maybe sixth or seventh last year in Kona. Yeah. A lot of these races he's going to turn up to, as long as his body holds up, he's going to win a lot of these races, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he's, he's yeah, and, and I don't know what other races he's going to go and do. but um, And how many? It's a pretty cool place to start in Challenge Wanaka. Uh, it's going to be a cool course, and hopefully we'll have a, a really cool field because um, Braden Curry, you'd expect to be racing. Um, Gomez is in town, uh, or is in, in New Zealand. He might race. He's been down there once before. Um, you have maybe Mike Phillips and a few others, so it should be, um, hopefully it should be a okay, good Okay, here's watch. a question which I know you're going to hate. And I, hear, I know you hate the GOAT discussion, but in... The history of the sport, will he be in the top 10, the top 20, top 50, top, you know, like... Will, Gomez? Yeah. No, 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 not Gomez, Keenley. Keenley, oh, he wouldn't... And long in, course, not short course. Yeah, uh, no, he wouldn't be in the top 10. No, I wouldn't have thought. No, um, he probably... But I don't have those discussions. In his, in his era, you know, sort of his main part of his era, which has been, you know, 2010 to 2020. 20 really, yeah. You just have to have a bit of a look there. I'm just trying to think. He's, he's right up there. He's always consistent. He didn't win... A huge But he number. also faced that problem of one of the greatest of all time was there when he was in his game. Like yeah. if Fredino wasn't around. PTO, it, I'm just trying to find his record on PTO, but they've changed their uh, layout here. Uh, uh, but if, if Fredino wasn't around, he probably would have won another Kona. Quite possibly. Yeah, like, no, that's a big what if. But, um, you know, I think he probably sits somewhere in that 20 to 30 mark. Oh, no, he'd be 10 to 20. Oh, an uh, all time. Greatest long course. Uh, all time, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, probably twenty to thirty. Yeah, maybe low twenty. He's won Kona. Yeah, winning Kona could put yeah. you up there. And he's won. He won seventy point three. Yeah, he think, won seventy point three. He did a great race in Australia mm. with um, uh, the Australian Tim Reed. boy Tim Reid. Yeah, mm. yeah. Oh, no, stellar career. One run wrote. Mm. Like he won all the big races. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what other races he chooses this year. We have got a result that happened over the weekend with the seventy point three and. How do you say that? Uh, we get it wrong every year, so we might as well keep getting it wrong. See the Poussin and Poucon. I like Poucon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it doesn't quite have the same feel. It used to be just uh, this really iconic race, um, and it's just now it's just a yeah. 70.3. Barbara Riveras won it multiple times, and she won it by 13 minutes, and Antonio Benito Lopez took it out by four minutes. We also uh, got a couple of races coming up. We've got the Tauranga Half, which Gomez was meant to be in, but apparently he's not going to be racing. Uh, so it's kind of the, the Southern Hemisphere season right now. Any races coming up in Australia? Uh, they, they have a bit of a quiet time around about now, and it starts to sort of pick up. Um, Is it just because it's too hot? 
Yeah, I think so. They seem to start a little bit later than us, don't they? Uh, so that's been interesting. Uh, we also got the short course update. We've got two new races added into the calendar of, of seven races in a year. So what are the races that are coming along, John? We have got, I was just going back to Sebastian Keenley. Um, we've got Cal, we've got Cagliari has been added. They had a race this year and it's been confirmed it's for next year. Or for, oh, sorry. It was on last year. It's been confirmed for this year. It is in Italy. You're right there, Bevan. It's not in Spain. Yep. Uh, and then we also have had Montreal. It's been a race before that's been added into the list. So what got well. lost? Well, this year we're not going to have Leeds. Is not there. Why? Uh, well, it's moved to Sunderland, and you can only really have one race in each country. Okay, and money talks. So money I imagine. Talks. Uh, what else have we lost? We've got Abadaba, Yokohama, Calgary. I can't think off the top of my head. Um, well, Kogelari was here last year, so it's just it's, yeah. There's only one change, isn't so it? So it's it's spread out all the way through the year. Starts in March in Abu Dhabi, then Yokohama in May, Kogelari in May as well. June is Montreal, July is Hamburg, uh, July was also Sunderland, and then you have a bit of a break sort of through to the end of September when you go to Ponte Verde in Spain. Good times, rock and roll. Okay, uh, what race are you most excited about seeing? Uh, um, well, if Sunderland's hilly, that'll be awesome. But I was—I uh, just want to see a hilly course. I want to see some different formats, uh, and I want to see some breakaways. Oh, Bermuda's not there. Bermuda was a good race. That's one that's disappeared um, because you had that hill each each lap, and that really didn't necessarily get away. Um, but one group did get away. But it just taxes the legs a bit more um, when you've got that hill each lap. So. I just want to see a bit more the, variety. Uh, the team racing, how often does that happen within this? Does the mixed every, team, really? Yeah. Uh, they usually have two, maybe three races. So whenever they have a sprint distance race, they'll have a mixed team relay. Which is interesting, really, isn't it? When you think about uh, it's an Olympic sport and they're basically only three races a year. Yeah, well, that's all about qualifying, getting your, your qualifying. Yeah. There, there is some other mixed team relay races where you can get some qualifying points, but yeah, you need to, to qualify your nation to get to the Olympics. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Okay, this week's discussion, we got an email um, before Christmas from someone saying, what's the slowest you've ever did a K or a mile? Well, you actually weren't in a bad place and you were trying to do your best. And we kind of got a lot of email here from, or, or feedback here from people who were in bad places, but let's stick into it, Jombo. Uh, I will start off with Clive Granger. Kona in this year, 19 miles into the run, first time I felt dizzy and threw up. It's not that I'd gone too hard or anything, just forgotten to drink on the bike and the rest is just a That's, repeating nightmare. That is an amateur error. Yeah. And Kona not to drink on the bike? Well, not to drink enough, I think. Yes. Probably. Okay, James Thomas has got Oliver half Ironman, 70, uh, 42 degrees, walking 100 paces, shuffling 100 paces, repeat for 2 minutes 50, which I think he's got that wrong because mm. 2 minutes 50 is actually really fast. Yeah. <laughs> One, uh, when we just said that he didn't drink on the bike, and of course you'd drink on the bike in yeah. Kona, it was interesting. I was watching an under-23 race, and it was a really hot one, um, Abu Dhabi, so it was Olympic distance, under-23 world champs. And the two Brit athletes, they intentionally weren't drinking on the run, and I'm not quite sure if it was a strategy or not. Um, well, it's why, just to mentally break someone? I or is it a speed thing? Uh I don't know whether there's uh, some new formulation they were coming up with or not, but they weren't they weren't drinking. And they I'll tell you what, the, whoever the bloody guy was that won it, the under twenty three worlds in in Abu Dhabi, look out for his name. I haven't got his name in front of me. Holy shit balls, he looked good on the run. Oh really? So a couple of years from, time, from the UK? Yeah. Oh, they just 
caning yeah, it's it. A like, factory. It's just under 23s. They're just killing it. Alex Riken, not a triathlon, but a marathon. I was pretty blown and was absolutely convinced the race would end after 41.1 kilometers. Rookie error there. Uh, devastated when I went past 41k sign and there was no finish line in sight. Marathon is 42.2. Oh, that sucks. Good old uh, Peter Mills said, Rob, Rob Dallymore, he was asking him, the first run, oh, no, sorry, Rob Dallymore said the first mile at the Zofigan Duathlon, and then Peter Mills was asking him about it, and Rob was basically saying, the first mile basically starts, so the first one, basically you went straight uphill, and it goes, that's your first mile of the race. And then in the second lap, what happens is it's super, super tough too, but fortunately you do get a kilometre of flat before you hit the run. But starting a race... Going uphill. straight uphill. Killer. Brutal. Killer. Especially because what were the distances for uh, I think you do. Like 540. Te- it's, it's, no, it's five or five or ten, 120, and then like 20 or 30 or something like oh, that. Oh, it's a tough day. Long way. Johnny Fallis is the first kilometre of the Abbey Dash 10K in Leeds. Been to a friend's birthday party the night before and had a hangover from hell. Never drink the night before a race, kids. It's not big and it's not clever. Done that once before. Agree with Johnny. Not big or not clever. <laughs> not big or clever. Right. Volker Voigt has got here um, the mile here, and he's got a photo here. Uh, when doing the Mount Santa Ultra Trail Marathon in the UAE, 65Ks over crazy terrain. Uh, Sam Whitaker, Marathon de Paris in 2007. It was 32 degrees centigrade on the day. Uh, got to 36 kilometres and my feet were on fire. Had to stop to take my shoes and socks off for a breather. The final 6k was awful, yet my energy and legs were fine. They'd run out of water too, so the final aid stations were red wine or cider. If that's legit. Can that you is. imagine having... A good way to finish the race, but eh? it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be good and bad. Because it'd be horrible to run through, but if you got drunk while you're doing it, I mean, there's some races. I know there's, there's one in Christchurch or North Canterbury called the Wine Run, and you run around around the vineyards. Yeah, I'm I think it's a half marathon. Yeah. yeah, and you drink. It's like a 17k, and it's based. It's it's based off. Uh, I think I think it's in Bruges, maybe. There's one a couple in France where they do yeah. similar things. But if in a proper race, and you got hit, all you could drink was wine. Do you know what's funny about that, that race? I emcee it, and they're lovely people. They do it as a charity event. Mm-hmm. Um, they go, can we pay you with wine? And they do quite, it's quite a nice wine, I think, is Pegasus Bay. Pegasus Bay? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, no, <laughs> I don't drink. So. <laughs> Shit, that was me. Went to school uh, with one, at Paul Donaldson, the Donaldson family. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Is it Paul I talk with? I no, probably not. The younger one. What's the younger mm. one? Um, I can't remember his name now. Gone off the top of my head. Uh, Pedro Archer's got here. This year's Outlaw. Uh, there was a lack of gastric emptying. I did a 13.06 kilometer in the marathon. Lots of uncomfortable sloshing in my stomach. There were some stops for a few spews. Back to running a bit later when the sloshing stopped. I haven't really had any of those races. I mean, the, the, we did specify here when you hadn't hit the wall when yeah. you were trying your best. So I've had races, as pretty much everyone has, where you explode and you're walking. And so, I don't know, you're probably walking... Oh, very slow. 10, my first 10, time, 15 man, minute that would at least 15 minutes. I was yeah. Like, even my walk was a shuffle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, the one, the things that stand out in my mind is just when you're late in a race and you're absolutely giving it to yourself and you're just miles off the pace that you feel you're going. You know, I might be running along late in a marathon and you're thinking, come on. And you, you're trying to run like a four minute K or something like that or getting getting in that sort of range and you look down and it's like not even close. But I haven't really done any epic races where we have like uphill finishes or anything like that but I was looking at my Strava file when Tom and I did a tramp recently 
in North Canterbury and we were down to, we were going up 38% at one stage. 38%? And 38.5% and we were going at 45 minutes per kilometre. That's pretty slow. Yeah, that was slow. It was bloody steep. Jeez, you're not really even moving, are you? No, I had very sore legs after that. Was it enjoyable? Uh, that was quite a nice, quite a nice walk. It was uh, four hours forty-eight moving time. But you're scrambling, aren't you? That was not quite scrambling. It was pretty close, pretty close. But it was pretty bloody hard. Just one here, Vog. Um, um, Arnold did a the Evergreen two two eight, and he goes on about the race. He reckons it's the toughest, most elevation I think of any race in the world. Okay, well, he basically was first two k of the run. And he was in. He was in a good place. It took him seventeen minutes. Mm. Okay, so there you go. Um, for me, I, yeah, I don't. I, I don't remember any races where I was the, the terrain. I was actually trying to go hard, but I was telling in the first rendition of the show. I once went for a run in Nelson. Still recording at the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, I was running in Nelson, and one time I just kind of did this loop, and I kind of went up this hill, and I saw the top of the hill. I thought I got there, and I was pushing hard, and it broke me. Like, okay, I mean, I don't even know anything about the train or I couldn't even find the location now. And it was an off-road kind of, mm. it wasn't like a, it wasn't really even a trail. It was just kind of like you could just like, you know, it wasn't real well used. But oh my God, it just broke me. Actually, funny, over Christmas, we were in Glendu Bay. And one day, we, Joe Porno and I did the, um, what's it called? Glendu Bay is down by Wanaka. Yeah, there's for... a Rocky Mountain Walk and it's mm-hmm. kind of like a two-hour walk. It's a lovely walk. And it's across from Triple Cone. So the next day I thought I would ride up Triple Cone because Porno bought one of those hybrid bikes. Well, not a hybrid, but kind of off-road, not road Triple bike. Cone's a ski, ski field? Yeah. Now, it was probably an hour 10 of climbing. The whole thing took me about two hours 10, so about mm-hmm. an hour there and back and an hour up. But not knowing the top mm. mentally broke me. <laughs> yeah, like because I couldn't see where it finished. And yeah. obviously the ski field was, the, you know, the, the kind of – the. What do you call it? The, the base sort of the, area. the base of the ski area, um, but and also I had some block of my eyes, so I couldn't see anything. <laughs> but but just not the thing of you know I knew I was fine. Two hours mm. six was not hard for me, and it's a decent climb. It's not that challenge. Like, like, it's a good challenge, but mentally not knowing can break you, eh? Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it definitely it definitely made it like I was always going to get there, but it's definitely challenged by it. Anyway, this week's discussion, we got an email through from Dylan Everton, and he's got here. So apparently. I was on the nice list because Santa brought me a smart trainer for Christmas. Being using it for it and loving it, I was curious to know from the Iron Talk community what software platforms everyone is using, i.e. Zwift, MySwish, Full Gas, and what they like or don't like about their platforms. Thought this would be a great discussion of the week, and it is, so we're going to use it. So what virtual cycling platform have you tried and did you like or dislike about it? And we're excluding Zwift because we know it pretty much dominates the dojo just going back to Sebastian Kinlo who we were discussing earlier in the show yep. he won a lot of races <laughs> um, yeah he won Ironman Germany quite well, maybe a few maybe that's in the top 10 to 20 sorry yeah I mean a lot of them are ch- challenge races or but, but there's a lot of wins like in 2018 he got a second a second a first 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 and one of them included challenge road um, the next year he got third in, in Hawaii, got second in Germany, a couple of other wins, 20, uh, 2020's uh, yep. COVID times. But yeah, he had a lot of uh, a lot of wins in his career. Won Kona in 2014. I reckon you were put in the top 10, 20. You might be later top 20, but mm. a lot to- later teens. But like, because if you think of the top 10, you've got like a Mark Allen, a Dave Scott, you've got Crowey, you've got... Mm. Um, multi-winners. Yeah, yeah, multi-winners, mm. you know, Peter Reid. There's that level... 
And then you've got the guys who have won Kona once. But then there's a lot of guys who won Kona once and maybe didn't have the greatest career outside of Kona. But Pete Jacobs. Mm. Um, who was the Belgium guy? Uh, there was Rudka, uh, um, Luke Van Leer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, the other one. The one recently. Um, the other Van Leer. Yeah. Frederick yeah, Van, Frederick Van, Leer. Van Leer. No, He had a great Kona and he had a couple of other big races. But mm. he wasn't on Sebastian's career. Mm. You know, so I reckon you probably would put him in the top 10 to 20. And Kenley won the 70.3 Worlds in 2013. He didn't actually win that one in Australia. I think he got second that time to, that okay. time to Tim Reid. Yep. Yeah, very. If you look at him up, look at, and that's what I love about the PTO when you can you just go and look geek up the out, athletes and you can just geek out and go, holy crap, he was, um, he was better, than, better than I remember, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I get. And, uh, uh, sorry, one one other point, and he would have been one of those athletes that has probably suffered a bit because of COVID. Because um, yeah, because like if you look at his Kona performance last year, where he did, hmm. you know, still put off top ten and potentially could have got a top five, he got third in twenty nineteen. Yeah, didn't get to race twenty twenty. So loses two race, years. Yeah, you know, no, no. You, would have you won it? Probably not. Mm. You know, could have got another podium though. Yeah, at least. And um, Fredino's another one that's been his career's been hurt by that a lot, isn't it? Mm. You yeah. know, like, because he lost two years there where he would have been the man, mm. you know. So, yeah, fascinating stuff. Okay, John's quiz question. Okay, so one of the hot topics this week in the last couple of weeks has been Nice with the men racing there for the World Championships this year. Prior to it being Ironman, um, it was the Nice Triathlon. But what year was the last Nice Triathlon before it became an Ironman? Mm, that's a really good question that I actually know the answer to because we did this in the first part of the show let's go into the history lesson which is also about Nice so because Nice is going to be the Ironman World Championships for the males this year it's a good chance to kind of do look back on what was this race because back in the day you basically had Kona and that was like the number one race for all the athletes in the world long course wise and then Nice was on par or not far behind. It's pretty pretty close. And yeah. This was this was the early days of Kona before Kona got really uh, ginormous as well. So it was a bit of a battle. So it was called the Triathlon International de Nice. Uh, it was run over, or wasn't initially run over this distance, but this was what they settled on, a 4K swim, 120K bike, and 30K run, which is a great distance. Uh, in 82 to 93, it was run by IMG, which is the big um, sports agency, yep. and those were the, the really big years from 82 to 93. It shows how much, you know, like I've worked in fitness for 20-something years now, and you have these trends. Mm. And new things come on and obviously that triathlon like I missed that moment where triathlon became the thing mm. you know like and before that was probably running became the thing you know and um, you know and in the last 15 years it's kind of been like your CrossFit and your HIIT training kind of you know but that moment you know like IMG is a big organisation yeah, and, and for them to jump behind triathlon really shows where triathlon was at that moment and there's other things that have come and gone like women's triathlon that was massive in New Zealand and America I'm not sure and they had these women's only triathlon events. Okay. Like, uh, oh yeah, they were huge, weren't they? And, and I saw Dan Enfield, I think, writing something on Slow Twitch. The Danskin series, they're the, some of the biggest triathlons ever in the world. They were getting like six or 8,000 people, I think, yeah, to Yeah, well, even like the Special K Women's Series here. huge in New Zealand. Yeah. You get a couple of thousand to those yeah. sometimes. So they were huge, but that's gone. I don't know why. Um, I think it was just a, it was a fad. It was cool for a yeah. while, and it's not anymore. And that was a, that was in our time. Yeah, you know that was in the mid two thousands. Anyway, back to back to Nice. Eighty two was the first year it was held in November twentieth, which is 
really late in the season. Yeah, that's well into going into winter. It was bloody cold. The water temperature was 14 degrees centigrade. Wetsuits back then uh, were abysmal compared to what they are. You know, you're basically swimming and surfing wetsuits without any arms. Um, 17 athletes ended up in hospital. Uh, the distance, and I think because of the cold, I couldn't didn't specify why, but. Uh, it was 1.5k swim, 100k bike, and a 42k run. That's a that's a runner's race if ever you're going to get one. Yep. Um, in 83, 205 athletes took part. Then they'd increase the distances or change the distance to 3k, 120k, and 30k. Um, now, I'm pretty sure I got my translation right. Mark Allen did win it, but. It sounded like he locked up with 600 metres to go and pretty much carked it and only just really? made the finish line wow. and, ended, and ended up in hospital. Wow. Um, he did bury himself, didn't he? Yeah. 85 sounds like it was the, the, the big, when, it, when things really started changing, the money was cranked up to try to rival Hawaii and the big four went along, along with um, Aaron Baker and Paul Newby Fraser, the Puntos, so they got all the big stars and that kind of forced the hand of Hawaii to make sure they started paying prize money. So, Did, I, uh, did Aaron win a match? Erin won it uh, at least a couple of times, but she got disqualified. I'm sure it was taking water. for taking water. Yeah, was, uh, I remember year. as a kid knowing about that. And then she protested, um, and I'm not sure if she ever went back or not, but she certainly won it a couple of times. Um, 89, they cha- they sort of conceded at that stage to, to Kona, and they ended up changing the date to May so they wouldn't have that battle okay. with Kona every year. Um, and the field sort of started to weaken a bit then. 1990-91, um, the date moves again and the field starts to pick up again. And then 1992, they had this iconic race with this guy called Yves Cordier. And he's your classic guy who's just this swim biker. And he's an okay runner. He's not yep. bad. But when you're racing someone like Mark Allen, you need a big lead to, to hold him off. And he had like six minutes on Mark Allen um, and it looked like he was going to win. And then Mark Allen finally caught him with one, one and a half kilometres to wow. go and just broke his heart. It was... Uh, and the, the the French guy was quite flamboyant, and the the French just the public just adored and loved him, yeah. and and he just couldn't quite make it. Oh, wow. uh, 1993 was the last IMG run event, uh, and I remember I watched this. I remember videoing this race and watched it over and over oh, and over why? again. Well, just back then you didn't have many triathlons yeah, okay. on TV, yeah. and that one was on TV, and I happened to record it. And it was just a great race between Mark Allen and Simon Lessing. What was the appeal of watching it over and over again? Well, it was just a great battle because um, it was Lessing who was just a weapon. And this is when I was you know, right into tries. He was like the best yep. short course athlete in the world. And then he raced Mark Allen. And they ran together for, for a good chunk of the And run. Allen got him, didn't he? And Allen then just crushed him. Yeah. And Lessing kind of blew up and, and hobbled to the race, the second place. And that year, Isabel Mouton became the first um, French female winner. That's a really interesting moment of ego, isn't it? Because like, Lessing was the man. Mm. And 93, he was the man? Or was he coming uh, into the man? 93, well, he, was, he, was at the, he, was, he was definitely the man. He was the... He won. He won the world champs that year. Because was, was it Spencer the year before? Uh, Spencer Smith won in '92 yep. and '94. Lessing won '93, uh, and he won more times after that. But yeah, he was he was he was a big dog. Yeah, you know, and so to come up, you know, by this stage, I oh know Alan's still on his peak of his career, but um, but Alan's been around for a long time by this stage. '93. Mm. Mm. When did Alan retire? 
Uh, it wouldn't have been long after that. Yeah. So mm. he's coming along and he's, and he's probably going along there and going, mate, you're mm. an old bugger, I got you. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. and then for it to crack and be beaten by Alan. They, they, they race shoulder to shoulder the whole way through. It was pretty cool. Oh, that is very cool. Yeah. Uh, 94, it changes events now run by a different company. Yeah, so from 94 to 2004, there was a 10-year um, period where the French uh, Triathlon Federation run, ran the event. Uh, it was the ITU long course world champs multiple times in 94, 95, 97, 2000, 2000. 2002, and some would say maybe the field wasn't quite as strong, but it was still really, really good when you when you look at it. You you, know, you didn't necessarily have Mark Allen and Dave Scott and people like that, but the, the times were changing. And when you look through the the athletes that were winning in that stage, you know you had um, the likes of Luke Van Leer won it twice, Simon Lessing won it in '95. You had guys like Chilborn Sinbali finishing in second, and he was on the podium in Kona, as was Arad Kabiki. So you still got really good f- fields. Um, you had Miranda Carfrey won the, the um, one edition. You had Isabel Mouton win a couple of times. Joanne King, who was the world short course champion. So you did still get really, really good fields. But by that stage, things had changed a bit. Kona was really the, the big the big one that everyone was still focusing on. So that took you through to 2004. And then to answer this, a long-winded way of answering this question, then in 2005, um, the license, sort of the city decided to, to change tack. Yves Courtier, who had previously tried to win the race on many, many occasions, set up triangle events, and they got the license, the Ironman license to run the event. So, so the answer to the question is 2005 was the first time that Ironman raced over there. And... I think it was, give me a second, it was 2004 was the last edition of the Triathlon International, Denise, and Miranda Carfrey took it out that year in front of Fiona Doherty, and it was bloody close, it was only a minute 40 in it, so that's um, Bevan Doherty's sister, Mika Suze was third, on the boys' side, Julian Loy took it out in front of Mike Aragoltz and Gilles Rabul. Well, and at that time, because like, I came in the sport must have been about 2002, I think, it wasn't a prestigious event by then because, mm. like, you know, I didn't really know what Nice was and probably until I started doing the show, you know, and uh, mm. it definitely had lost its prestige, mm. you know. So once the, the IMG kind of let go of it, it probably faded. In the sport, just things just moved on. But but I think it's got that history there that if you were going to go anywhere else in the world outside yeah. Kona, this is probably the next best thing. And the French love triathlon, don't they? They do. Um, the only other – if you went to, you know, Frankfurt or something like that, that's probably got – you know, the Germans are going to get behind it even more, but it won't be that same iconic course. Like, the course there is going to be fantastic. So, enjoy it. Get your entries in. Well, qualify, I suppose. And Germany... Oh, that's, that's, that's Germany's in July. Yeah. So, you okay. can move that. Yeah. Okay, now let's talk about everything. Now, there is a funny story. Because everyone yeah. said, was people going to go turn up? Yeah. So, I did. <laughs> day <laughs> so, early. Day early. So, what happened was, because you told me you were doing, what day are you doing? 27th. We're supposed to do it on the 27th. Yeah. So, and I woke up and I go, what's the weather like, Joe? And she said, it's going to be good all day. So, <laughs> she was looking at a different weather forecast to me. And so, I thought, okay, well, I didn't even bother trying to contact you because I thought you'd be up at two in the morning doing your thing. So, right out to Mount Pleasant. Start riding up. Oh, well, well, if he comes down, I'll turn around and go down with him riding up. Where is he? Must be, I must be right behind him because I, you know, I <laughs> get to top this one random car. There. It's kind of like your car, but it's, uh, it's not John's car. 
Where is this ice fruit? You text, where are you, mate? <laughs> oh, you're doing everything. No, I'll do it tomorrow. It's bad weather today. Oh, I thought you'd send me that message and you were going to go out. <laughs> no, I was already up. I was up. So then I, I ended up, I, was, I thought there was another one, because I was going to do it for three hours. So I thought I might just go up and down for three hours by myself. But then I decided, no, bugger there. <laughs> I went into three hour bike ride. That was weird. Um, but it, it rained for about an hour that day. But it was a strong headwind. It would have been misery because I went out mountain biking. So the plan was to do it 27th, 28th if the weather was okay. But you were hot on the 28th? No, it wasn't hot. It oh, was okay. perfect. Okay. But I was looking at the weather 27th. So for those who are saying Bevan wouldn't have turned up, I did turn up. <laughs> just the wrong day. The wrong, well, the right day, just the wrong day. I, I went out riding, I did a mountain bike ride with Felicity and uh, we were riding straight into that wind. I was like, thank God we're not doing it today. Yeah. And it was wet for only about an hour, but it was pretty torrential rain for about an hour too. Mm, so That would not have been good. Yeah. So I did think, because how many laps did you do? 24? It ended up being 23. I need to do 23. Okay. So, yeah, after one lap, I thought, this is a long time doing another 23. It was a long day. So, I did <laughs> it. Let's break it down. For people that um, are friends of me on Facebook, they might have seen a lot of the stuff. I did a bit of a bullet point post. Um, one of the good things was uh, Hamish, I don't hit the wall, um, was out there. and So, he, he did it as well. He did it as well. He came out of the blocks uh, like a beast and uh, he ended up just being one rep behind me at the end. So, but he oh, had wow. the foresight to get a bit of accountability, he actually set up a fundraising thing for Movember. Oh, okay, so it's like, nice. oh, I've got, to, uh, I've got to make sure I do this now. Yeah, nice. And that's going to be a big message for me today is you need to take this fairly seriously. Really? Um, and you've really got to want to do it. And there's got to be a bit of pressure there because um, it's a pretty big challenge. So why did I do it? Um, because it's a bloody unique challenge. Uh, and also from my coaching philosophy, I generally want to um, – Ask athletes to do things that I wouldn't, I, I do myself. Yep, um, totally. And so yeah, I've sort of been there, done that. And hopefully it motivates a few other people. And I don't get to do a lot of racing because I organize all the local races. So I kind of need to make up my own events sometimes. So this, for me, in a sense, was an event. And it was a great way for me to sort of try to kick off my, my rope training. It must have been your longest riding day ever. Oh, hell yeah. 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 yeah not by, yeah, it definitely is. I think I've done, when I've done the 300k ride, that's probably, it's getting up there. I might be getting a bit ahead of myself here, but on the way of challenge, was it your hardest biking day ever? Uh, we'll get to that. It was, okay. a, it was a roller coaster. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so kicks gonna, off your 23. Kicks kick, off rope. Kicks off the rope training and yeah, I just want to kind of do crazy shit while the body still can do it because um, at some stage we're going to get to a point where I probably can't do this sort of stuff. Yep. So I wanted to tick that off. So my plan was to stop every three reps, which Wait, was- so your ego here. Oh yeah, so the ego side of it, um, a you can do it, and I'd be lying if you said it's just it's nice to be able to do things that other people oh, can't course. do, and yeah. people go shit, that was pretty hard, and I was like, yeah, yeah. it was bloody hard. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the ego definitely comes into it, but I think that comes into a lot of racing and stuff as well. Mm. But if people say that ego doesn't come into it, mm, yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my plan was to stop every three reps, which was approximately every hour forty, and then every sixth rep was to stop um, for slightly longer and have a bit more substantial. Food. And when you say stop, how long were your hour forty breaks? Uh, it was coming. Grab a bite. Grab fill up bottles. Grab food and then boom, okay, out of so there. Five minutes uh, max. Yep. Yeah, and max. then your, your longer breaks. Longer breaks were whatever they kind of took, but I was I was also stretching those breaks. So actually, they would have been five minutes. I was making sure at least early on I was stretching my hamstrings every time okay, I stopped. Okay. So have a stretch, and then the longer breaks were well, how long were they? Um, twenty minutes. No, no, maybe maybe ten okay. at, at most. Okay. It was just like sit down. It was kind take of take a moment, take a moment, and then carry on. 
And my plan, and I didn't quite stick to this, was to ride an effort that was uncomfortable because I could have just, you can just do this and just ride up and down, ride up yep. and down, ride up and down at an easy effort. But I wanted to be in that uncomfortable place that I wasn't necessarily risking myself by yeah. exploding, but I wanted to put in a pretty honest effort. So yeah, I did you have a power number for that? Uh, I had a power number in mind, but one of the things with this, you, you've got to make sure you've got battery life on your bike computer. So you turn your bike computer to battery save mode, which means you, your screen goes blank. Oh, so, so it's you, recording, okay, but you really can't see oh, it. Okay. So I had a power number in mind, but I was only looking at power um, when I'd get and to the top each track. Did you do a backup? I had a backup as well. I had a watch as a backup. Yeah. Wow. So, um, so what scared me about the challenge was whether my body would hold up. I was particularly concerned my ta- hamstrings are going to really tighten up and give me back issues, um, or quads really tightening up and giving me knee pain. Knee pain. Fitness. I was definitely not in race shape whatsoever. I only done a couple of long rides in preparation, so fitness wasn't great, and that was a bit of a concern. And then the safety side of things. Um, we we're on a residential hill. Slightly concerned about that when you start to get really fatigued. Um, did end up just on one particular And it's rep. quite technical at times. It, it you te- know, there are some sharp bends. If you, yeah, if you, if you where, wrong, where if a car came out, yeah, you totally, wouldn't be able yeah, to stop yeah. in time. Like it's not the most technical, but it's not just a flat down the hill. No, and there was just one rep in particular, and I was at that stage I was riding with someone, and uh, yeah, there was two near misses on one descent, um, but the rest of the time it was pretty good. So a quick what, summary. What was that, lack of concentration? No, just cars coming out and cars yeah, okay. being imbeciles. Yep. <laughs> yep. So a quick summary, it was 23 reps, number one through six, um, they went pretty good, and I was riding at a higher p- power than planned, but felt pretty good, so I was sort of just going, okay, that, that's fine. Um, seven through nine kind of settled in, the power started lowering, which was to be expected, and I was kind of thinking, this is okay, you know, I kind of, in my mind I thought, you'll start at one level and you'll just slowly yes. drift off, and yep. the last few might end up being pretty miserable. So seven through nine were lowering power, but felt okay, um, still going pretty good. The problem came, number 10 and 11 pretty much had a meltdown. What happened? And just felt horrendous. Really? And I was like, holy shit. So at this stage, so what, so what was happening? Just energy just or? Everything, just felt lethargic. Felt had no energy, was sort of wasn't really bonking, but just felt terrible, just hard to you know pedaling squares as yeah. as, you, as you say. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm not I'm not You're even not halfway. halfway. <laughs> if if this continue, if I continue to slow at this rate, it's going to be like another seven or eight hours, <laughs> and and that really did concern me. It's like oh my gosh. Um, and luckily, so but at, the, at the end of that one, did you stop and have a break? Yeah, we stopped and had a break, and I was just like, geez, what is going on here? Yep. Um, but then somehow something just sort of kicked in, and through 12 through 18, um, sort of pulled it back around, felt quite good, power's back up to a, to a good level. The one thing that I did do at that point there as well is I started using music, so the first uh, sort of 10, 11, I didn't use music at all. Yep. Um, and why did, why did that help? Uh, it just gave me something else just to take my mind off things a little yeah. bit uh, so, so that was good um, I conveniently got Belinda a pair of aftershocks they're the ones that sort of yeah. vibrate on you rather yeah. than uh, so go in your ears, ears yeah. and uh, gave her those for those birthdays so I was like <laughs> <laughs> the go. gift that gives gives back <laughs> um, so 12 through 18 were, were pretty good and at that stage then the end's kind of in sight yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. sweet yeah I've got this I've got this and, and, and so how long was it taking you to do each lap 
about 30 minutes so to do a full lap. So by the get to 18, you think you've got, what, two or three hours to go? And at this stage, I'm thinking, I'm going to 10,000 metres here because... Um, oh, so you actually want to add more on? And wanted to add more to go to 10,000. I'm thinking, I've got this in the bag. This is, this is sweet. No <laughs> problem. for three days. Yeah, I'm just going to keep going because I knew that Hamish was one rep behind me and there's another guy out there who was a couple behind. Oh, so a few people did it? Yeah, there was lots of people out there on the day. But how many actually did the whole thing? Only myself and Hamish did okay, the whole thing. A couple of people did um, did like a Mount Cook, which is like a half Everest. Okay. Uh, did so many people there. ride, did you ride with people for a whole lap? I'll come, come to that. Because I was going to if I was going to yeah. be there. I promised. Okay. Um, but then, number 19, complete capitulation, like a massive bonk, so much so that I had to pull over on the side of the oh, road. Oh, really? And arms were shaking. I thought, oh, no. I'll just ride through it, just ride through it. I thought, I'm going to fall off my bike here. Uh, so I pulled over, had a caffeinated gel, stood there for a couple of minutes, started going easy again and, and managed to, to get back So you hadn't it. enough earlier? Yeah, I just just had a, a bonk, you know, okay. just cocked it up. And then 20 through 23 were also not very friendly. Okay. But at that stage, my stomach had gone. Okay. I, I, I had a nutrition plan. In hindsight, it was an okay nutrition plan but I hadn't trained my stomach leading okay, up. And yeah. you tell people to do that all the yeah, time with Ironman yeah. training. But because I was sort of thinking, oh, you're getting a recovery every time and I hadn't actually done any long rides to test it, I yeah. thought, we'll just we'll just go with it. But that's one big message I'd say. And was it just too much of the same thing? Uh, it or was just, just your stomach too much sugar. At that stage, yeah. I was hitting the Coke big time. I think I went through two liters of Coke yep. and, uh, and my stomach just said enough is enough at 22, 23. I was actually feeling quite good, but my stomach was just yeah, gone. Miserable. And so at that stage, got through them. But at this stage, you know you're getting there, don't you? You know you're getting there. Yeah. And power was actually pretty good. I was feeling good, but I just couldn't take any more food. So yep. I thought if I carry on like this, it's going to end up uh, in misery. So nutrition-wise, every three reps, I'd um, within every three reps, I'd have a caffeinated gel usually, a bottle of sports drinks, so some carbon there, and then something solid. Um, my solid sort of food consisted of creamed rice. That went down particularly well. So Shut that was really good. Years. That was a good old thing back oh, in the day. Oh, great. It goes down so easy. Yeah. Not too sweet. Uh, had OSM bars, which are like M's um, bars. Had potato chips, pizza, chomps. Had some chocolate milk, and yeah, probably. I think so I you got bought some Pizza Hut. Got that was a delivery by Belinda. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's and, and I thought that was going to be really good, but I ended up only having a couple of pieces. It's uh, funny how you can get sick of certain things. Though. Or you're so, mm. you know, you think when you're that tired and that fatigued, any food's going to deliver. But sometimes it just just doesn't it. work. Eh? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the good bits, the weather was perfect for us. Um, we had It was cool to start. Um, we had nice temperatures through the middle of the day, sort of low 20s. Um, we had favourable wind conditions later on. It got really blustery, but um, they were pretty favourable. And with the exception of about four reps, I couldn't have expected to probably feel much better, and my back did, wasn't an issue. I didn't get bored, um, which was quite weird. Some of the other guys did get a bit bored. Yeah. Uh, I just seemed to have this tunnel vision, and because I was so focused on it, it was just like, I don't, there wasn't much going through my mind. I did, wasn't worrying about bloody life or anything like that. Yep. It was just like getting the job, job done. done. Yep. And the cool thing is, it's a 30-minute climb. Then you've got like a six or seven-minute descent, and I love descending. And so you can switch off when you descend. So yep. it's like 30 minutes or no, 25 minutes of focus, six minutes of just yeah, relaxing okay. so and enjoying nice it. nice kind of mind pattern for yourself. So that was, that was cool. The hill gradient for us was, I reckon, just about perfect. And I'll go into those details in a sec. And yeah, you asked before about whether I rode with people. I probably did about ninety percent by myself. Yep. But during the day, there was just because they were just because you're the better cyclist. Uh, to to a degree, yeah. yeah. And uh, I had the fillinator out there for a little bit, hanging on from my wheel. Um, but most of the time, I was riding by myself. But we. Where's probably, this fitness at now? Um, 
pretty low. <laughs> Sharpen up for a little You know you're listening. <laughs> pretty low. Uh, but there was probably, at the peak, there was probably almost 10 people out there at one stage, okay. if not more. I would have been, again. You would have been on there. the right day, yeah. Uh, and just for you, those who know, I went, we went camping the next day. We went on holiday, so that's why I didn't turn up. So you're having people out there was great. So that was the, the good bits, the hard bits, descending in the dark. I've done a bit of descending in the dark. Like we started at... Um, yeah, what so time did you three, get Three forty-five. What time did you get up? Two o'clock. Uh, I think I got up at maybe two forty-five. Oh, so I literally just got up, got out of bed, and left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think we started. What about breakfast? Did you eat on the way? Uh, I said yeah, M's bar. I said some M's bars on the way. I think. Yeah. Um, so descending in the dark was difficult because it was a slightly technical descent. The other descents I normally do are and quite straight. And also that road can have a few potholes and stuff in it. Yeah, and my depth perception was just rubbish. <laughs> I was all over the road. The first rep I was going, sheesh, if any cars were coming, this would have been, uh, could have ended in misery. So, and the other real pain in the ass, between 8am and 4pm, we had this bloody tractor that was mowing the, the verge oh, of the road okay. for like the whole day. And they had this pilot vehicle before and after it so you had to go around this pilot vehicle with its flashing lights, go past this tractor that was spraying grass all over oh, you. Oh, really? Uh, all day. <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty miserable. They could have been more considerate. They could have. Nutrition, as I mentioned, was a real challenge. It was a bit like Iron Man. You know, you know when you get to that sort of last 15K of the run and you, sometimes your stomach is really rebelling, really very much had that feeling and that was uh, probably the biggest challenge of the day. Um in the aftermath, uh, what else did I have? How I felt pretty strong, but as soon as I finished, I was freezing cold. And uh, as soon as I stopped, that was it was all over very quickly. I had really seriously thought about going to ten thousand meters, um, but I thought I'm just completely gone here in terms of my stomach. And how long would that have added? That would have never. It would have been another hour and a half to two hours. Yeah, it's like so. What, so you, was it fourteen hours? Was it? Uh, it was just under fourteen hours. Yeah, yeah. yeah so the clock. Um, but one, one of the, like, I had did have somebody ride the whole last rep with me. This guy Mike came out and he just uh, randomly turned up and he just rode the rep with me. Yep. Um, and he it was really good. He said to me, "Are you going to regret this in a couple of days? Not going to ten thousand meters?" Yeah. And he said that about halfway up. And I was thought of thinking about it, going. I probably will a little bit, but I was still pretty happy with uh, uh, just uh, finishing it. And, and the, uh, where did the ten thousand meters thing come from? Oh, it's just a, ra- a number, just a. Say you got but when to 10, did you think Oh, people do it. You oh, know, you okay. go, you go to Everest thing. I'll oh, just round it up. It's a bit like Epic Camp. Okay. You go to yeah, yeah, 180k, yeah. round it up to 200. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, you don't want to. But the goal was, you know, you, if you start moving the post, you don't want to make the post that you originally put there a disappointment. Mm. You know, mm. I think that's a really important so, thing. In hindsight, like if you do it, cool. But if not, so yeah. yeah. Hindsight, I'm not really too regretful about it. Yeah. Uh, I went home and promptly vomited, um, which made me feel a little bit, bit better. But man, I was in bad shape um, oh really and <laughs> really I could not eat a thing I didn't eat anything the whole night so what Try, time did you get home um, we f- uh, finished it just before 6 I think it was yeah so it was home on reasonable time and could you sleep uh, it was like an Iron Man yeah you know, you're just sort of feeling puffy and, and, yeah. and just burning up and yeah um, next day next day not too much leg soreness just general fatigue yeah. not horrendous probably felt Somewhat similar to like a half Iron Man, but you okay. didn't have that pounding in your legs. Yeah. Um, but felt really puffy, and then you could start eating again. Your mouth's kind of just burning because you've had so much bloody sugar from the from the day before. Did the idea of getting on a bike seem unappealing? Uh, 
Because I remember really? I, I had a guy stay with me, Kieran, years ago, and he wrote he swam the channel, mm. and he said he didn't want to swim for like two years afterwards. Yeah. Not saying you would have been like yeah. that, but no, not not really. No, yeah. I was. I mean, I didn't want to get on the bike the next day, yep. but I think I was on the bike within a couple of days. Yep. Um, so my advice: start early. Uh, if I'd been a slower athlete, I would have started even even earlier. Um, so I'd start at two a.m. If I was a slower athlete, I was really happy to be done by six p.m. Have a nutrition plan and plan your, you know, my plan was like two or three pages long, planning and nutrition, how long your break's going to be, you stretching, if you've got a toilet location and so on. Minimize your break time and be really good. I was, I was, I reckon I was pretty good, but I, my break still totaled one hour and 51 minutes in terms of uh, across, across the day. So that's, you know, you just got to do the math. With 23 reps, if you fart around for a couple of minutes each rep, that's 45 minutes, yeah. and it can add up really, really quickly. Yep. So be really good with your breaks. Uh, try to have some company for the second half, even if it's just somebody waiting at the top. Like the last couple of reps, we had good old Gail Harvey Haywood. Okay. Uh, she was up the top there, and by that stage, all the other riders had pretty much gone. And it's just nice to know you've got somebody yeah, at the top. It really makes a difference, isn't um, it? And Belinda was there as well, so that was good. Um, descending with purpose. Um, I was descending semi-aggressively, um, Hamish was going a bit more conservatively than me, yeah. but he was losing like a minute on a descent to okay. me. And again, you add that up, it's 23 minutes extra. Yeah. Although there's a fine there. line, isn't there? There's a fine line. Because you're going to be pretty tired. Yeah, there's you a know, fine safety line. Safety first. Um, but I was definitely conscious of descending fairly safely. Uh, and then the last point would be, yeah, take the challenge seriously. I don't think you need to get too carried away with the preparation. You know, you need to be fit and obviously my level is different to others, and you know, I've been doing this for bloody 30 years. Yep. So you do need to be fit, but I think it's more the race day approach, the, the day approach. You've got to be treating this like a race, taking it seriously, and having really good plans. Otherwise, it can get away with you, and you'll end up being out there for bloody forever. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was a good experience. Just, just, just on like, the sense of achievement. Oh, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really, really pleased that I'd done it. And was it just relief at the end, or was it like a well, high? No, it's just a. It's a bit like going into an Ironman. If you have a plan and you execute the plan, whether you finish first or tenth or whatever, yep. I go. I executed the plan pretty well. My power is better than what I what I'd wanted. Well, let's to look be. at your stats. So, so your elevation. Uh, 8,898 metres, which was about 50, 40 or 50 metres over what you needed to be. Yep. So it was good. Distance was 209 kilometres. Normalised power for me was 226 watts, which compared to an Ironman, and granted you lose lots of power when you're going downhill, but my best Ironman is only 235 watts, so I was pretty stoked with, with that yeah. average. The climb we used was 4.5 kilometres at 8.5%. Because I did it one lap of it the day before, what far part did you find the hardest part of the climb? Uh, the start every time when you turn around, your legs just go. Oh, okay, so just, re- restarting <laughs> just 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 re- restarting. But the rest is pretty relatively because the back half of it's actually pretty flat. Mm. You know, once you get kind of past the houses, that last kind mm. of couple of k's is flattens out a bit, doesn't it? So times of taking me, my quickest was about twenty three forty, and my slowest was twenty seven minutes. Fun fact: always good to have fun fact. Here we go. Here's a fun fact: my first rep and my last rep was only one second difference and that was not for, through pacing or anything like that because I was riding blind but only one second difference between uh-huh. my first and last one. My lap power was uh, for all the 23 reps 252, 248, 248, 250, 255, 255, 255, 244, 240, 232, 225, 228, 236, 234, 230, 235, 
And finally, 2.44. Took 13 hours and 54 minutes in terms of elapsed time. And moving time was 12 hours and 3 minutes. So you basically had two hours of recovery. Mm. And the whole thing. When yeah. You, when you think, well, and that is not pissing around. There was a bit more sitting around towards the end just composing things. And, and well, it's not just two hours of recovery. Oh, it was moving time. Moving no, time no, that includes the scene. That's, that's okay. you know, an hour 51, I think it was, of being at the aid stations. Okay. And that was being pretty good about it. Yeah. You know? So you could lose a lot of time pissing around. Oh, God, yeah. 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 All in all, good achievement. Won't be doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Don't plan. I need a pretty good reason to do it. I might do it for fundraising or something. Like yeah. I need a good reason to do it. But it is one of those once and done kind of uh, challenges, isn't it? Tick that one off. It's not like you really want to get there much better at it, is it? It's not no. Like it's something you're going to work towards improving. No, I don't think I'd want to go for a fastest time or anything like that. Does it give you respect for the guys who are doing it? Like it's like seven hours is a record or something, isn't it? Uh, not really. That probably gives me a better appreciation of people that do slow races. Slower yeah. Um yeah. So that was probably a good good learning, learning experience for me. Um, yeah, the guys that do it faster, just faster. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just faster. <laughs> Simple as that. Well, congratulations, mate, because that's an amazing mm. achievement. That was good. You know, like it's, mate, as I did my one lap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's get a winger of the week. week. You pick a number, Bevan, okay. 1 to 100. I'm going to say... 11. It's my e- sister's birthday, January 11th. 11th. Oh, it's my son's. Louis Dugiseppe has been in the bloody age group oh. of the week many times. 21 hours, 25 minutes training, 3 hours in the pool, 14 hours and 19 Jeez, minutes. Body's done some volume of training over the years, isn't it? And 4 hours and 5 minutes of running for a total of 21 hours and 25 How minutes. How old's Louis? Don't know, but he's from Brentwood, Missouri. I'm going to say he's probably he'd be in his 60s, wouldn't he? Uh, he's pretty similar to Millennium. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in that range because there's a big Melina fan P- back in plus the day. or minus maybe five years okay, I'm going to say late 50s then just because yeah, I think the, the I good think books so. yeah. uh, good he's a husband dad uh, North American Kiwami Racing Team 2023 and head coach Endurance Race Coaching LLC great guy been on several epic camps we did get one email through from the big shim and it just made me laugh he, got, he gave us a, a Merry Christmas to the boys and Happy New Years but on a separate note I was finally able to pee on the bike while doing a 70.3 I've been wanting to try this since I heard the episode years and years ago oh peeing on the bike yeah we'd pee on the now for those who are new to the show when we first started when we first started the podcast no one even knew what they were yeah and uh John and I literally just tried this thing called podcasting and half your job was teaching people what a podcast was and how to get it. <laughs> and then we did the episode How to Pee on the Bike and it blew the show up. Yeah. And like seriously, it was like people just We took it quite thing. seriously. Yeah, no, we did a high five on how to pee on the bike and uh it blew the show up and everyone laughed about it and, and finally Big Jim said that. So I was like, Good on you, mate. Good. Good on you, proud of you. Nice. There we go. Let's look did you swim this morning? We did swim this morning, four hundred warm up, uh four fifties kick. Two three hundreds um, doing hypoxic breathing three five seven four fifties twenty five fast twenty five easy and then our main sets today were a bit of speed work good old Tom Somerville's getting ready for the Tauranga um, half Ironman this weekend so we did uh, three one hundreds fast with ninety uh, we had about ninety seconds recovery between each one three hundred easy six fifties start uh, six fifties fast with a minute recovery and then three hundred easy and then twelve twenty fives fast with about thirty seconds recovery and then three hundred easy three point two kilometers wow that's pretty awesome okay uh, let's say a big thank you to our patrons Richard Speedwalker Swan we've got Alan the famous Furret Hodgson and Angus the Wild Bull Boy okay if you want to become a patron of the show www.iamtalk.me you can also get show emailed to you there if you want some coaching coach johnmewson.com for my podcast bevanjamesos.com and 
Age group of the week, cool websites, other feedback, imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, what you got? Goss got back from holiday. It's Tuesday. Got back from holiday on Sunday. Going away again on Wednesday. So two days in the office. Just trying to catch up on two weeks away and get ahead of the game. Uh, had a nice little holiday in Kai Terry. Terry went hiking. What games did you play? We played. Have you played throw throw burrito? No, but I love a game. Mm, yeah, throw throw burrito is pretty good. What do you do? It's just a, you have cards and you're trying to um, get sort of sets of three, but then. You get these sets, which is like a, you can have a burrito war, a burrito jewel, and something else. Yep. Uh, and if they come up, there's these two um, foam little burritos. Oh, so you actually have a battle. And you throw them at people. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and then when you have a burrito jewel, it's just two of you, and you stand back to back. Okay. And you take three steps. Bang. bang. And then you turn around and throw the burrito at the other person. Okay. And if you get them, they lose half a point or a point or something like yep. that. Uh, Good fun. See, see that scar on my knee there? Oh, that's from Throw Throw Burrito. That's from Throw Throw Burrito. On Christmas Day, I was diving for cover <laughs> and got carpet burn. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's quite a good game it would wear off pretty quick but it's a good fun holiday yep. sort of game yep. and the other one is Exploding Kittens yeah I've heard of that I've never actually played it again very easy good family game yep. and do you do Monopoly cards? Monopoly deal yep play yeah, that that's uh, 500 200 500 uh, those would be the main ones oh and Rummy Cub Paul Note never played Euchre I've never really played Euchre well, it's just 500 just really fi- but but a shorter version of you right. oh, you've never played Euchre no I, th- I think I probably have. As it's the was, same game, basically, yeah. but you don't do the scoring in the game. I'm really like. rogue with 500. It pisses my family off. What do you so mean? Much. I don't you take necessarily follow. I don't, no, I don't necessarily follow their, their sort of structure and rules and stuff. What do you I mean? Just, I just go a bit random with my, my, my cards that I put out, and they go, What are you playing that for? <laughs> Wins. Like, but do go. you win? Uh, no, quite not very often. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Who was partner with John? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> We played this game, um, I don't even know what it's called, but you basically it's like a little whiteboard and it's kind of Chinese whispers and you got, it's a oh, oh, picture-wise whiteboard. It yeah. was quite fun. But we had two teenagers and they were just being silly. So mm. it, like it never got back in the same thing because they were just mm. being totally random. That was kind of crazy. Any other goss? Did a tramp, I said, with my son. I think that was in this version, not no, the previous version. No, it was earlier one. version. Earlier version. Yep. So we did the Abel Tasman, um, but everyone, we, we've talked about Abel Tasman before. There's an inland route you can do. Um, and we did that. So the first day and a half was doing that, and it was uh, it was nice in parts, but it was bloody challenging. And we did eleven hours on the first day with hardly any breaks, and then the second day was eight hours, eight and a half hours. Feet were like blistered to buggery. Oh, really? Toms were like ten times worse than mine. And the the second day we met up with the girls, um, sort of about three hours into the walk, and did about five hours or so with them. And then uh, Tom was staying the night there at a place called Totranui. Yep. And then he was going to do two days along the coastal track to get to get out. And <laughs> you have to get the tides right, and he got them right. He had to get up really early to, to, to get the tide right to start the day. Uh, and he texted us streams out. He said, oh, I think I'm just going to walk all the way out. <laughs> and oh, so really? he did like 14 hours Jeez. on the last day. And we met him for the last couple of hundred metres. He was hardly hardly moving. <laughs> he said, yeah, I knew I was going pretty slow when people with bare feet were passing me on, on stones. <laughs> It's a zombie like. Uh, pretty, uh, That's pretty, impressive. Pretty big What's effort. his fitness goals this year? Oh, and the, well, he beat me at another bloody race. Oh, a little really? shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you learned. It's, uh, it's happening. I thought I had it all wrapped up. It was a sprint distance um, mountain bike race. He swam really well, but yeah. he was still like behind, 30 seconds behind. 
and I'm going through the mountain bike and you can't see much in the mountain yep. bike. Turn around a few times, nobody in sight, yep. nobody in sight. Towards the end of the second lap, you're lapping some of the little kids yep. and you're passing them. And then I hear one of them jump on my wheel. And I was like, what the hell? This, you, know, you just smoke past this yeah, kid. Yeah. Turn around, it's bloody Tom. I was like, oh God, I'm probably not going to outrun him, but I gave him a good run for his money on the run. He still beat me though. God, I'm getting revenge in a couple of weeks' time. How long is it before you can't beat him? Mm, not too far away. <laughs> yeah. Like in a mountain bike run, I think he's got my number because he's a lot more confident on the mountain bike okay. than me. Yeah. Um, on the roadie, it's a bit different. But on the roadie, I think I'll, uh, I think I'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's about it. Mm-hmm. Going off and walking the Humpridge track. I'll give the update on that next week. Nice. Bevan, anything happening in your world? Well, we had a good break. We went down to Wanaka and we had the best move we've ever had there. And I absolutely loved it. It was just everything you want from a holiday. Good people, mm. beautiful location. The water you're intense, was nice. Are you? Yeah, we're intense, but mm. that's a pretty good setup. We, we, right. we, they, we invested it, as a group, we invested in two marquees. Mm-hmm. So we've got this big, massive marquee in it. That really, mm. we even put like a little drain in it. So if it rains, yeah. yeah so it's very good. Um, they've got fridges and stuff in there. Um, but it's just, it's just, I don't know, you know, like if you, when you get the right bunch of people mm. in the right environment, Mm. You know, it's just really good. Reading, reading the guns. Have you ever heard of the Dark Tower series? No, but uh, I'll just sorry to get off topic for a second. You know how you said in the last show, the you said, yeah. I read this book, Colditz. Oh, did you read it? Well, no. Ironically, Blinda had gave that to me for Christmas. She oh. didn't hear that. But oh, she actually had it. Uh, so I read that over Christmas. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it was good. Yeah, Blind yeah. Mekotai has great books. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm loving And it was, it's a Stephen King series. I'm really enjoying it. And I said to Joe, you should read it because as you kind of started reading the first, but the first book is probably the weakest of the, the ones I've read so mm-hmm. far. I'm kind of, I think of it the book four of seven. Um, and I said, just persevere through the first book. But she even, she said to me yesterday, I'm actually really enjoying the first book. So if you like a good longer series, it's a big series. Um, the, Dark Tower by Stephen King. Lots of people know it. But one of the funny things was we, we, we went out, we hit the town on Saturday night, John. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and I, I can't, I don't even remember the last time I've hit the town, mm. you know. And we went to Fat Eddie's. Don't even know. Yeah, is. On the terrace. So in Christchurch <laughs> no, now, it used to be the old strip. Yeah. And now it's called the terrace. Um, but I tell you what, John, yeah. you're going to dance for, you can tell who's trying to get a shag. It's pretty obvious. The grinding. Oh, the, some of the men are just a bit too obvious. And I was with, when I was dancing, I was basically with myself and three or four of you females. with yourself. How <laughs> <laughs> do you say that? Because there was this one guy who was a really good dancer, but he was by himself, and it was a bit, it was a bit, he was a bit odd because he kind of had some moves, but they were a bit too dancey. You know what I mean? Like he was obviously a bit of a professional dancer of a high level skill. Yeah, but he just almost a little bit weird, and he was by himself, and it was mm. a, it was a bit odd. But anyway, yeah. On the dance floor, it's pretty often. And the thing that I find fascinating about a lot of men, particularly at this bar, is they don't put the effort in. Mm. You know, like most of the guys are scruffy as. Mm. One guy was wearing shorts, <laughs> you know, and not like flash dress shorts. Like, yeah. and, and I was thinking to myself, it's pretty obvious you guys are all out for a shag. And then their strategy is just try to grind. That was a strategy I was seeing a lot of, just mm. hope and grind and hopefully mm. it works. And that the females should be happy that you're trying to grind you. <laughs> that was the look on their face. Now I'm sober, so I can kind of interpret all these things. And uh, and and yeah, they put no effort in. Yeah, at what time does the dancing start these days? You have to bloody start pretty late for that to kick off. Oh, well, funny, John, this is an interesting night. So we got there, we left, we probably got into about town about 10. And the fact it is, is pretty packed by then. So mm. it was actually dancing by then. Oh, really? And we left at about 12.30 and then made a little... Life lesson. Mm. So on the way home, 
we hadn't eaten, mm. and I don't do fast food, but very occasionally, maybe once or twice a year, if we haven't, if we've been out, big night, we'll mm. drop in at Burger King. So I go to Burger King, massive car line. So I, I thought, mm. no one's inside. We'll go inside. Yeah. Fatal error. <laughs> 45 minutes to get our burger. Oh, no. And the problem is, you'd order through one of those bloody machines. Yeah. So you couldn't cancel your order. <laughs> Poor Uber drivers all sitting there. And the one Uber driver waited an hour to pick up the bloody. Oh, no. Oh, it was. Absolute disaster. And the poor staff, I think they were incompetent. Like, no one knew what they were doing. It was absolutely... And they have not enough staff. Oh, but the problem was, they were prioritising the cars. Right. So we probably would have been 10, 15 minutes if we just waited in the car. Yeah. It was... Yeah. Life lesson. Well, no, the life lesson is not to go to fast food. Well, and it's never satisfying. It kind of fills the gap, but it it had a bit of of taste to it, John. So, yeah. Other than that, John... Looking forward to getting to the year, to be honest. You mm. know, kicking off things. And uh, I've got to, I'm still working through my knee, which is a bit frustrating. Yeah, oh, it's annoying. Yeah, but I was able to do lots of biking and stuff. You, you can always do something. Mm. So that was the main thing. But other than that, just bring on 2023. That's right. It's here. Okay, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia car. car.